It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Sooners Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams, and you can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. And on today's show, we're going to talk about what went well for the Oklahoma Sooners on both offense and defense, some of the standout performances, where Oklahoma might rank in the latest college football polls. But the NFL season is right around the corner. It starts on Thursday with the Dallas Cowboys versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Locked On Podcast Network is getting you ready with the ultimate season preview. Make sure you check that out with Odyssey's experts, Ross Tucker and Jason Lankenfora. The ultimate season preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast is the place to go get ready for the start of the NFL season. So some of the standout performances for the Oklahoma Sooners. First of all, I got to talk about my guy, Kennedy Brooks. It was really, really great to see him back in action after sitting out last year. You know, it wasn't always a perfect performance for him, but he definitely helped to spark the running game quite a bit. He averaged 6.2 yards per carry, had a big 30-yard run, and was just the guy that we've always come you know, we, we've grown accustomed to seeing, right? He had three runs for 10-plus yards displayed excellent vision and excellent feel for the running scheme used his blocks well and you know had 63 yards after contact averaged 4.5 yards after contact per attempt and that's just awesome like you sit out a year and it's hard to kind of get the feel of the game back get the flow of the game back but it didn't take him long to reestablish himself as the RB1 for this Oklahoma Sooners team and this is why I was always hesitant to put Eric Gray above Kennedy Brooks because Kennedy Brooks is such a natural runner. He just, he does everything well in the run game. I know people underrate him a little bit because he's not like super explosive or fast. He's not like a Saquon Barkley who has just got this big hulking physique and is going to run away from everybody on the field, but he just does the thing every time he touches the ball. Like, very minimal effort. It looks like very minimal effort. And then he picks up five, six, 10, 15 yards. And that's what Oklahoma needs in their running game. They need, they need a consistent presence. They're going to get explosive plays and Kennedy Brooks is going to provide explosive plays, but you can't live and die on explosive plays. You can't live and die off, you know, 20 yard, 30 yard passes. You got to get those, those gains at times where it's five yards and you got to be happy with that. You got to be content with that sometimes. And, and I think that's one of the, you know, kind of the criticism I have with Spencer Rattler is that sometimes he doesn't seem content just to take what's there. He's always looking for the big play and that that's great. And it works out well sometimes. And other times it, I think he misses, he can miss some reads and he can miss some open guys that are just going to get him the easy yards. When Oklahoma's at its best, it's when they're a methodical team, they're picking up, you know, five, 10 yards at a time. And that's what Kennedy Brooks provides. And he does provide some explosive plays, as we saw on Saturday. And so I would expect to see Kennedy Brooks be the RB1 moving forward. 
Eric Gray can still be great and he can still provide a huge punch. And I'm not at all ready to just kind of put him in RB2 status. I think he's still going to be a big part of the rotation at running back. And I think he's going to have better games than he had on Saturday. I just think that if you want consistency in your running game, then Kennedy Brooks, the veteran, the guy who's carried the ball for you a ton, who's got 2,000 yards you know, seasons, he needs to be the guy getting the ball more because he's dependable, he's reliable, he's always going to create positive plays. He's very rarely going to get dropped for a loss. And he's going to pick up that six yards per carry on average. And with a running game, an offensive line that seemed to struggle at times with Eric Gray running behind it, you need a guy that's going to be able to be patient, allow those blocks to, to develop, make people got make people miss in the backfield, let block, you know, let would-be tacklers fall off of them. It's Kennedy Brooks. So really great to see Kennedy Brooks back in action. Again, provided a huge spark to the Oklahoma Sooners running game. Another standout performance has to be from Mario Williams on offense. I think that guy is going to be really, really good. Has a very similar like Marvin Mims type feel to him. Just a guy who's shifty route runner, able to make guys miss in the open field. And I I think he's going to have a big impact. And I would, I was a bit surprised, you know, at how much they were throwing him the ball early because, you know, when you have a Jaden Hazelwood, you have a Mike Woods, two guys that are, are really talented and your true freshman is getting as many targets as he got ended up with six receptions on eight targets. It, it was a little bit surprising. Now they were using him a lot in the bubble screen game. They're trying to get him the ball out in space and allow him to make guys miss. And he was able to pick up some, some yards that, that, touchdown reception that he had was him and Jaden Hazelwood basically working a two-man game. Jaden Hazelwood set up the block and Mario Williams made a guy miss and was able to run in for the score. That's what you want to see. And especially with a, a running back group that is a bit depleted, we didn't see Jaden Knowles or Todd Hudson on Saturday get any touches. And so, but they used the, the bubble screen game to minimize the workload on some of their running backs. And I, I think it was a smart, a smart move by Lincoln Riley in the offense. At the same time, I want to see Mar- Mario Williams get down the field because we know he can make plays down the field. He did it in the spring game. He did it in fall camp. And so I want to see them start throwing the ball downfield to him a little bit too. get him involved in some of the intermediate passing game. You know, that, that, uh, that drag route that uh, Marquise Brown ran so effectively that one where they, he just kind of runs one, two yards you know, past the line of scrimmage and runs across the formation um, underneath some of the blocking. I think that that might fit him really, really well because he can catch it in space and he can make some guys miss and he could create some big plays for the Oklahoma Sooners passing game. They like to throw that to Marvin Mims a little bit, but I think Mario Williams is a guy that could be very effective in that role as well. Uh, it's also great to see, you know, Nick Bonito stay Nick Bonito. You know, the dude was just on fire on Saturday you know, ended up with the the highest defensive grade for the Sooners uh, amongst all 27 players or 31 players that got snaps. And, uh, you know, his pass rush is still very effective. Ended up with six total pressures, had a sack, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, two quarterback hits, two hurries, uh, two stops, which they label a stop as a, uh, a win for the defense. You know, a, a play that, didn't gain the necessary yards to be considered an effective play for the offense. So Nick Bonito was really, really good on Saturday. And that's what you'd expect, right? He's a preseason All-American, 
one of the favorites for the defensive player of the year in the Big 12, especially a guy that is projected to be at least a top 50, top 60 pick in the NFL draft by most um, analysts. And getting that guy to be who we thought he was and to reach that next level, that's going to be huge for the Oklahoma Sooners defense. And he didn't disappoint. You know, then you look at a guy like Perrion Winfrey, who also had five pressures, according to Pro Football Focus. He had a sack, two quarterback hits, two hurries. These guys were just living in the backfield. And while the defense at times struggled, they were making life really, really difficult for Michael Pratt. According to Pro Football Focus, they had 30-plus pressures. Incredible. You know, the pass rush was on point. Now, they didn't always finish, but a lot of that credit has to go to Michael Pratt. He showed really good, you know, escapability, really good ability to get outside the pocket and make plays when he was under pressure. But they're not going to go against quarterbacks that are as mobile as he is every single week. Now they'll they'll go against a guy like Skylar Thompson, who's pretty athletic, but not every week will they go against a guy that can move like him. Now they want to try and make sure that he doesn't get the quarterbacks they face don't get outside the pocket, but I, I think they did really, really well. And I like what this defense brought overall. You know, they really, really responded well in the second quarter. I think that they just need to finish better. You know, it comes down to just playing a 60-minute football game. And they're capable of that. I mean, we've seen them perform really, really well over the years, especially last year. You know, down the stretch, they played really well as a defense in particular, just allowed 17 points per game over the final seven games of the season. So. I'm willing to chalk this one up a little bit as an aberration because they got out so big and first game of the season, you're like, all right, we're done. We're good. Especially as myself and many other analysts have been talking about how good this football team can be. It can, it can be easy to let that just kind of sink in and let those expectations kind of sink in and, and um, allow you to take your foot off the gas, so to speak. But they little, they need a little bit of no breaks, right? Like they need, they need a little bit of that, going to play 60 minutes, regardless of the score. We're going to always try to dominate our opponent. And I think they'll find that. I think, you know, this week, week one was hopefully the wake up call for this team. You know, I think last year, you know, the way the Kansas state, Iowa state, Texas games went, I think those, you know, obviously there were the two losses and, and they weren't able to, to stem the tide against Kansas state, Kansas state just roared back and, and took the lead and won, you know, same thing with Texas. I think after the Texas game, it was a bit of a wake up call. They're like, we can't just cruise to wins. Now it's unfortunate that they had to go through it again this year, but hopefully this is the wake up call that, that really propels them into a team that is able to play a full 60 minutes and, and just dominate their opponent. Like they're capable of like, they still have got the talent. They still have got the ability to go out there and beat teams 40 to 20 every week or 40 to 15, 40 to 17 every week. They've got that capability. It's just a matter of, can they put it together for 60 minutes every single week? Can they keep that edge every single week to be the team that we think that they're capable of? Because I still think that they're a capable football team that's able to beat the very best in the country. Despite what I said on, on yesterday's show about, you know, it's going to be a struggle to, to win in the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12 is, is pretty good this year. So they're still going to have some challenges, but I still think they're a capable team and they're able to 
dominate the Big 12, that they're able to go through it unscathed and go through undefeated. So coming up next, let's talk about some of the other standout performances from Saturday's game. And let's talk about what needs to get a little bit better moving forward. And then in the third segment, we'll talk about what the national observers are saying about Oklahoma after their week one win. So let me talk to you about sweat block. There are a few things in life that are just not fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know, when you're sweating through your shirts for no reason, it's embarrassing, right? Well, sweat block is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning you wake up, wash and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. It's the doctor recommended, doctor created antiperspirant that provides you the dry shirt guarantee. But sweat block keeps you dry the whole time. No more pitting out, no more picking shirts based on which one will hide sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. I also want to talk to you about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is the family owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. And their prices are always reliably low for every customer from the do-it-yourselfer to the professional mechanic. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. You can go explore their easy-to-use website today to find savings of 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts that you might be able to get at a chain store or car dealership. You can get them at rockauto.com and you can save. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And now here on the Lockdown Sooners podcast, let's talk about a few more of these standout performances from week one's win. And you got to talk about Billy Bowman a little bit. Now, he did allow a few catches and he allowed the touchdown. But I think it was impressive that he was able to get out there, that he was able to play as many snaps as he played. I mean, he played 61 snaps. That was just, it was second on the defense to Deller and Turner Yell and ended up with the fifth highest defensive grade amongst Oklahoma Sooners defenders, according to Pro Football Focus. And that's impressive. I mean, a true freshman getting out there, playing in the slot against, you know, a two-lane team that pretty good offensively, and he was able to hang in there. Again, he did allow some, some catches and allowed the touchdown, but I think it's a strong start to his Oklahoma Sooners career. I think you got to be really, really impressed with what he brought to the table. Another guy is David Aguebu. You know, played 49 snaps for the Sooners, got the start at weak side linebacker, and didn't miss a tackle. While tackling was an issue for the Oklahoma Sooners, they missed 15. He's one of those guys that was steady throughout the game. He had four tackles, two stops, according to Pro Football Focus. Was targeted in the passing game, allowed allowed the catch, but um, shut it down for minus two yards. Uh, and so, you know, he was just all over the field. He was very active, you know, did a really good job in his own drops, nearly was able to get a hand on a ball like Billy Moment almost had an interception as well. And I think David Aguayba is the guy that we need to see a little bit more um, at the linebacker position, you know, as they rotate, you know, Brian Asamoah and uh, Deshaun White as well. You know, they're going to get a lot of snaps out of these guys, but I'd like to see more Aguayba if possible. Uh, and then you got to be happy about, you know, Jalen Redmond being back. He had two uh, total pressures on the day, two quarterback hits. Didn't end up with a sack, but you know he was active in the backfield and made life difficult for Michael Pratt as well. That interior defensive front, we've talked about it a lot on the show, but that interior defensive line is going to be a huge game changer for the Oklahoma Sooners team as they 
through the season because yeah, Nick Bonito is going to be great. Isaiah Thomas off the edge is going to be fantastic. We saw Reggie Grimes make some plays as well. And that's huge for the edge rotation, but you need that interior defensive line to be as effective as the edge group, because you can scheme to kind of block up the edge group and and allow that quarterback to, to step up in the pocket. But if your interior defensive line is as good as the Oklahoma Sooners can be, then it's going to be very, very hard for quarterbacks to get any kind of comfortable in the pocket. They're always going to be have to bailing. They're always going to have to bail and make plays outside of structure on the move. And that's when you can make some mistakes at times when you're not setting your feet, you're not, you're you're trying to make off platform float throws, then it can be very difficult. And so watching this interior defensive line is going to be a lot of fun over the next few weeks and over the course of the season, because you got to give a guy like, you know, Josh Ellison, you know, big props too. He had a sack, had a total, you know, had one pressure and a tackle and two stops. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he didn't start for the team, but he ended up in the rotation, played 26 snaps and you like what you see out of him. I uh, got to talk about my guy, Mike Woods as well. He, he only had four catches, but I think what was uh, you know effective about him is, you know, he didn't necessarily get down the field. They didn't, you know, throw down the field a bunch. Uh, his average depth of target was only five. Uh, and for comparison, Marvin Mims average depth of target was 16.6 yards down the field. And so I, I'd like to see them get Mike Woods down the field a little bit more. Cause I think that's that he can be an effective playmaker for him down the, down the field, you know, down the middle of the field on the outside, but they used him similarly to Mario Williams, where they threw some bubble screens to him and allowed him to make plays after the catch. And he was very effective in that, you know, 27 of his you know receiving yards came after the catch, you know, similarly, Mario Williams had 32 of his receiving yards come after the catch. So that's, that's, it's good that they were so effective in the bubble screen game. At some point, though, they need to start getting these guys involved in the intermediate passing game as well. You know, you don't want to throw every pass deep. You don't want to throw every pass behind the line of scrimmage. But hopefully what they're doing is they're setting up some bubble screen fake, you know, and goes where they can fake the pass to Mario Williams and then throw it down the field or, or to Mike Woods, vice versa. But I'd like to see these guys start getting some more action, some more targets down the field. But it was impressive, at least in the, their first game. Austin Stogner, it was really great to see him back on the field. You know, four catches or sorry, three catches for 36 yards on four targets. He looked like he was moving pretty well. He was able to make some plays down the seam. It's going to be really interesting to see them get him more involved as the season goes along and as he, you know, continues to ramp up. That that's an exciting kind of it's exciting progress. You know, you had you had four Sooners, five Sooners with more than 30 yards receiving. You had seven Sooners with more than 20 yards receiving. And so it was a it was a very well diverse diverse you know passing attack. A lot of guys were targeted. You had seven Sooners with more than three targets, with more than yeah more than three targets, uh, including like a Brian Darby who had three catches on three targets for twenty six yards. And I think that was a really underrated performance you know, from him backing up Marvin Mims in the slot. You know I think the offensive line they they played well in pass protection. You know Spencer Rattler wasn't sacked. He had time to throw in the pocket. He had time to you know maneuver. He didn't really have to bail early. And he didn't have pressure in his face right away. Uh, I'd like to see them get better in the running game. But overall, I felt like it was a solid performance from the offensive line. I think it's a team that is going to continue to improve as they improve their continuity and their chemistry along the offensive line. I think it's a team that as they do that, their run blocking will get better. 
because they'll have a better understanding of, of spacing and, you know, when to pass off on the, you know, when they shed their double team, you know, a lot of the run blocking is about timing and, you know, they'll first initiate a double team. And then, and that next, you know, one of those guys will then extend to the second level. But if you don't have like timing and chemistry and communication down with your offensive line mates, it can be hard to know, like, okay, I've, we've got this double team figured out. My guys got him. The running back is ready to move on to the second level. All right, it's time for me to release and move on to the linebacker. That's my responsibility at the second level. If you don't have that trust and that feel and that, that continuity, that chemistry, it's hard to know the right timing to leave that double team to move to your second level block. And so I think that's just going to come with some time. You know, we'll see them get a little bit more work, obviously against Western Carolina and hopefully we'll get more, uh, more clarity as far as the offensive line is concerned is as far as who's going to kind of lead the way among their five. And my, it's going to be interesting to see if they do any shuffling around this week, because, you know, Tyrese Robinson started at right tackle, but he played the last two years at right guard. Eric Swenson was slated to be the right tackle after playing left tackle last year, uh, kind of rotated in with Anton Harrison. We didn't really see one name Morris. So how are they going to play the offensive line? Robert Condro got the start. Andrew Rain was the guy that was projected to start. So we'll see. I mean, they might still be using these next couple of games to try and figure out who, what, what their best five looks like and who, what the best combination of offensive linemen is going to look like. But, and I think that's still one of the big questions that needs to be answered. Otherwise, I think, you know, it's a team that is really, really solid and they're really, really good. I think Spencer Rattler is going to be fine. I know there's a lot of people concerned about it and yeah, some of those throws are a bit concerning, but I think it's going to be fine. I think, you know, it's the first game. There's a lot of things to to work through and, you know, Rattler, Lincoln Riley, they all admitted like, Hey, we got stuff we got to work on. And it's kind of a good place to be after a win that you can recognize that, Hey, we got to be better. That was the great thing about Jalen Hurts, right? It's like, it didn't matter how good the performance was. They could have won 48 to nothing. He was always looking to, to see how they could be better. He always wanted to know what do I, what are, what did I do wrong? that I can improve upon? What does this team need to improve upon? And I think that's where this team's at and they need to be uh, because they're a talented team, but talent can only take you so far. You got to have some intangibles about you that say, you know, this isn't good enough. You know, a win isn't good enough. Winning by 40 isn't good enough. If we make mistakes, you know, my old podcast, you know, partner, David Walker, he'd talk about it on the show last week or last year where, you know, that, that game against Texas A&M in the early 2000s where they won 77 to nothing, you know, they still had to do a bunch of up-downs because the offensive line didn't reach their goals for knockdowns. But it's because they had a mentality that just winning wasn't good enough. You had to achieve individual goals, unit goals, and all those little individual and unit goals contributed to the bigger picture, which was the win. But if you didn't achieve those things, then you didn't do your job necessarily, according to the coaching staff and according to the unit. And so it was, you know, they, they had this edge about them that said, whatever we did wasn't good enough. We got to get better. We got to set higher goals. And that's what this team needs. They need to have lofty expectations for themselves individually as units and as a team and not rest on past performance, not rest on, Hey, we got the win, not rest on, Hey, my numbers look good but what can we do to get better? And I think if they take that attitude and they 
grab hold of it and go into the season with it, the rest of the season with it, then they're going to find a better edge, find a better mentality that's always looking to get better and always looking to push. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see, excited to see how they bounce back against Western Carolina, a team that they should just put on the mat and destroy and dominate from the opening whistle. If they come out with that kind of mentality and are able to dominate them, I'll feel a little bit better about where this team's headed, especially if you know you get this third string, fourth string guys in and they continue to do that, continue to carry that domination forward. Um, but if they have you know mental lapses and stuff, it'll still be concerning. So we'll see. Uh, but coming up next, let's see what the nation the nation is saying about the Oklahoma Sooners and their prospects for the rest of the season. Uh, let's see what they're saying about the um, how they might rank in the college football polls that will be released on Tuesday. But first, let me talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest place to bet on all your sports action. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, and head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Right now, they got the biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest going on now at Bet Online. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. You make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. So for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON when signing up to get that 100% welcome bonus. But go to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. And then looking around the nation as, you know, power rankings come out and the top 25 polls are set to be released. You know, a lot of people are down on Oklahoma after, you know, that narrow, narrow win to Tulane that was almost a loss. And, and I get it. I do get it. I mean, I was down on them yesterday in, in the show and probably a little more negative than I normally am. I'm a pretty optimistic guy and, and usually see the, the bright side of things. Um, and so I get where a lot of kind of the national observers are at with Oklahoma. And I think this is a team that over the years, especially because of their lack of success in the college football playoff. It's a team that many people across the country are looking to discount. They're looking to find a reason not to keep them high in the polls, high in power rankings in the college football playoff. And, you know, a five point win over to a two lane team that was six and six last year. Yeah. That, that kind of does it for them. Right. You know, it gives them a reason, especially after having a 23 point lead and allowing them to outscore you 21 to three, it's going to give you know, the national analysts, a reason to say, Oh, Oklahoma is not as good as we thought. And I get that. And, you know, I think pro football focus knocked him down to three uh, ESPN dropped him to four. 
And I mean, there are little drops in these power rankings and these polls and, and it's all going to be week to week and based on what happened on the weekend, you know, Georgia played pretty well against Clemson, uh, dominated defensively. And so that has a lot of people excited about them. Alabama obviously is Alabama, uh, Ohio state had a two touchdown win over Minnesota after struggling in the first half. And so, you know, I get why people are, are a little bit down on Oklahoma, but it's the first game of the season and championships aren't won in September. They're won in December and January. And this is a team that's still very capable of winning both the big 12 championship and the national championship. It's a team that is talented enough and they're coached well enough. Again, like I've talked about, it's a team that needs to find a mental edge and a mental um, aptitude that is going to look at every play, every game, like it's not good enough. Like there's something we could have done that was better. Even if it was like a 99 yard touchdown run, got to find that one thing that could have been better, right? That's how you get better. That ruthless self-evaluation. How can we be better play in, play out, down in, down out, every minute of every game. And I think, you know, Oklahoma will turn some people around over the next few weeks. You know, they've got Western Carolina this week, which, you know, this isn't going to really, you know, this game won't change anybody's opinion of Oklahoma. But then what they do to Nebraska the week after, I think will. And then they'll have West Virginia and Kansas State. I mean, the next four weeks are going to be huge for Oklahoma's perception amongst college football analysts. But really the big deal is like, if they win, all that matters is they win. They, if they just win all their games, it's not going to matter how the nation feels about them because they'll be in the college football playoff. If they win all their games, it's not going to matter by what the point differential is because they'll be in the college football playoff because they're Oklahoma and they'd be an undefeated Oklahoma and the college football playoff will want an undefeated Oklahoma in there. Now, if they lose a game and then they have a bunch of wins that are, you know, by one score or less, then, you know, it might, it might knock them out of the college football playoff consideration. However, all they have to do is take care of business. And and I know it sounds simple, but that's where college football is at, right? If you go undefeated and you're in the power five, there's a good chance you're going to be in the college football playoff. It's unlikely there's going to be five undefeated power five teams. That's just the way college football goes. Hopefully you're one of them if you're Oklahoma, but yeah, all they got to do is just go play football and quit worrying about projections and rankings. And, and I think obviously we worry about that way more than, than they do. They just go out and play, but this is a team that is good enough and they're a team that is talented enough. And if they go and take care of the business that they have to take care of on their, on their schedule through the big 12, They'll, they'll have some challenges, but if they take care of their business, then they'll be in perfect shape to make the college football playoff. They'll be right where they need to be. Now, you don't want to be four. You don't want to go into the college football playoff playing Alabama, but you can't help all of that. You, you play who you play, and maybe this is the year that you knock off Alabama in the college football playoff. You know, All you can control is what you can control, and sometimes that means – you know, you win ugly like you did against Tulane, or it means you're going to win pretty like you that like they will at some point this season. They'll they'll have some really good looking wins later on down the road. But all you can do is win. 
That's really what matters. And you worry about the winning pretty part second. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners Podcast. Thank you so much for following the show on Twitter, on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. Thanks for subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the Odyssey app. But until tomorrow, my name is John Williams. Boomer Sooner. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.